Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to one of the new owners of a crew-based company that was originally founded in 1971. Repcliffe Chemical Services Limited is a family business now in the second generation and has been manufacturing and supplying leading brands for nearly 50 years. On today's show, we're pleased to welcome Ivan Ankatel Clifford. Ivan, welcome to Business Brunch. Good morning, Des, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on the show this morning. It's a pleasure. Ivan, you, you have 15 years' experience as a chartered mineral surveyor, so share with us what this entails and talk us through one or two of your most memorable projects. Yes, over those 15 years, I was lucky to have gained a wealth of experience across all aspects of estates management and development projects. Uh, After completing my degree in minerals estates management in Sheffield, I was uh, one of the lucky few to get a job joining Hepworth Minerals and Chemicals, who are now Sabalco in Sandbach. There I started out as a land surveyor, carrying out uh, periodic topographical surveys of their quarries nationwide. Then within a year or so, I'd moved into the States and Development, managing their day-to-day land and minerals property portfolio, as well as working on the fringes of new quarry development. And it was the new quarry development that really excited me. So I then started to look around for a development role, and I joined Tarmac, working from their Wolverhampton HQ, uh, and worked on special projects within their southern division, including major quarry developments, whether they be new quarries or or minerals extensions. Probably one of the most enjoyable projects was securing 2 million tonnes, that's about 15 years' worth of sand and gravel reserves, at a mothballed quarry near Peterborough. And and you can imagine the local reaction when Tarmac informed them that the uh, quarry was going to be reopened after being closed for for 10 years. So my approach was sort of slightly different in that I spent the next 15 months uh, basically lived down there, developing a quarry design with a local residence on board, uh, and I actually embraced them and encouraged them to get involved in the project. So, so over the next 15 months, I basically lived down there, developing a quarry design with a local residence on board, and I encouraged them to be heavily involved in the project, because I'm a great believer in giving ownership of problems to all stakeholders. Uh, so that, that proved to be a very, uh, very rewarding project. Uh, and in fact, I actually made some close friends down in Peterborough out of it. Uh, next, I was given the opportunity to become Tarmac's rail development surveyor, and I worked on a sustainability-driven national strategy to reduce the volume of minerals being transported by road and develop a strategic city centre-located rail depots um, where, where minerals could be railed in from remote quarries and then processed on the same site in, in asphalt and ready-mixed concrete plants. Uh, and these could then be used in city-based construction projects. So a very sustainable approach to, to, to development and minerals exploitation. Uh, and over the next 18 months, uh, I secured planning permission and tied up land leases for the best part of there were six, six rail depots across the UK. Then, unfortunately, um, I was made redundant, but the very same day I left the business, I was approached to work in another tarmac business, overseeing the estates and development function for six quarry, sorry, six tarmac divisions. Um, and this really took my experience to another level, working on projects developing recycling depots, landfill sites and composting plants. Um, I mean, 
the proudest stat, I think, from my mineral surveying career was that I actually had a 100% success rate for, for planning approvals. So that must have been a real tick in the box. Did, that, it, did it, people it, stand up and take notice of you then? Yeah, very, very much so. And I, I tried to do things differently. I was the first mineral surveyor in the UK to put an application in on a CD, uh, where most of them are presented as, uh, as, as paper, you know, book, book stroke folder documents. So I, I, I try and do things slightly differently. Um, which has sort of carried me through my career to, to a large extent. Let's uh, fast forward you now. So you've, you, you've built up a really strong portfolio of transferable skills and you've joined the family business in 2005. So tell us why you gave up a successful career as a surveyor uh, and what you feel are some of the more important transferable skills that you've brought to the firm. Yeah, there were, there were several triggers for me. Um, the principal draw was the fact that I could join the family business uh, and, and, and have a de- degree of control over my destiny going forward. Yeah, I've already been through a number of redundancies, uh, although they, they all worked out fine in the end. Um, that, that coupled with the fact that Robert Fraser, my father-in-law, uh, and the then owner of Repcliffe Chemicals, was getting closer to retirement age. So it sort of fitted well for us all in that we could keep the business in the family uh, and then work towards taking it on to a, a second generation. On the, the transferable skills, I'm a great believer in being agile uh, and was very comfortable bringing my skill set into the business. Uh, I, was, I always knew my project management, team building and project finance would stand me in good stead. Um, but as you do, you soon realise that managing a, an SME was going to be a big change. One of my big weaknesses was I had no sales experience really or contacts. Um, having come from a totally different field. Uh, the business itself had no dedicated sales force, and of course sales is the lifeblood of any business. So from the outset, I, I, I had to work on a, a, a mantra uh, where if I can promote and deliver a quarry or a landfill in someone's back garden, I can sell a, a cleaning product that works. And I was lucky with Repcliffe, they had many premium products and were already supplying some globally recognized businesses like Mercedes-Benz, Rowenta, Porter cabin uh, and many more. Sorry to stop you there, Ivan, but even no. without a salesman uh, or a sales department, you'd managed to get on board one of the biggest brands in the world. So how did how did the firm do that? So the, the two business owners were were approached by uh, Mercedes Benz, uh, the local uh, dealership in Stoke, in that they were having issues with the scaling up of of the washer concentrate bottles uh, and what uh, Robert and Doug were able to do was produce the first formula with a, a chelating agent in it that actually softened the water that goes in the reservoir alongside the, the screen wash concentrate uh, and that in effect w- won them the business. That's a roundabout way of doing it but it's very interesting that uh, even without a sales department you were still able to develop a, a really major customer. Yeah, it's all about solving problems for, for customers, and that's what we pride ourselves on, uh, and, and giving them market edge uh, in the marketplace. So we still believe to this day that we have the best screen wash formula in the marketplace, although we don't sell any today. And why is that? Screen wash market is just saturated with low-value product lines, um, and uh, we, we decided some time ago as a small business we just couldn't sustain 
uh, high-volume, low-margin product lines. Today we're talking to Ivan Ankatel Clifford from Repcliffe Chemical Services Limited. Um, Ivan, Repcliffe have been trading for nearly 50 years and has successfully survived two recessions. Share with us how you've overcome these challenges and talk us through some of the strategic decisions that have helped shape the business and keep it on course to achieve its targets. I mean, in particular, Des, the, the 2008 recession hit the business hard. Uh, it was at that point we lost the Mercedes-Benz business when uh, the Germans took it back home. Uh, shame, shame, really, because we'd had an unblemished record over 25 years we supplied them with over 7 million bottles of uh, screen wash with, with not one complaint. Uh, we're really proud of that record. Um, but as you know, you, you, you try to pivot and you try and be agile. And at the time, we, we identified that the caravan and motorhome uh, staycations were the fashion. So drawing our chemical expertise in treating toilet waste for the portable toilet sector, we slowly built up a, a range of toilet and cleaning products under our 40 shot and pro shop brands. That, that Still to this day, we sell in the caravan shops nationwide. So in parallel uh, w- with this, we, we look to secure other income streams and we secured several large contracts supplying demineralized water into the healthcare sector uh, as value-added business to existing customers particularly into the dental sector this new business has allowed us to sustainably grow and about five years ago um, robert retired uh, and i brought in a dedicated sales manager ian hill uh, and with his contacts and, and more sales and marketing know-how we were really able to to sort of bring the business forward a, a fair pace. But before Ian actually joined me, we spent a day together brainstorming my business aspirations and exploring his sales channel contacts. And it was clear from that chat that Ian could open up the doors for many of our existing product lines with his contacts, as well as plug some of my weaknesses, in the, particularly in marketing and IT skills. For example, you know, the website was well overdue and overhaul. So in terms of sort of management uh, approach, when he joined me in September 2015, the first thing I did was I asked Ian to oversee the implementation of an ISO 9001 quality management system. Now, Ian hadn't even done this before, but with my steer, having done it at Tarmac and some external support, this for me was the perfect tool for, for Ian to, to learn the business inside out, but also it gave him an opportunity to stamp his ideas on the business. So then we moved, once we got this back office in check, uh, we could then start looking at business strategy. And and I was in a position where I could start working more on the business rather than in the business. So I I took a big step back because one of the issues I had, Des, was even before I joined the business, I was always concerned that the business was founded on private labeling products. Uh, That's where products will be our formula made by us, but they always went out the door with someone else's name on them. So for me, this was a major weakness in terms of uh, sort of future exit strategy. So there on in, I was keen to implement a change strategy where the business would create its own brand and adopt a strict policy of only producing new products that went out under our parent brand, our Qualchem brand, or uh, and working with sort of market-leading wholesalers in growth sectors, we would dual brand them. And today we call them our custom chem partners. Because in a day we all work to, to hopefully retire. So for me it was about having a max, uh, maximizing my options on retirement. So the business could be sold, it could be packaged up as a management buyout, 
or if one of the kids were interested in taking it on to the third generation, you know, that, that it, it's all about having options, Des. It's interesting that, that you you were able to allow the new sales manager to put his mark on the business. Is that something you'd learnt uh, through some mentoring or rubbing shoulders with other business people? Yeah, we very early on, uh, when Ian joined me as part of the change strategy, I brought in a, a, I was lucky enough to access a growth hub training on business strategy and change management. I had uh, 20 hours a session with them uh, and they really helped me start to steer the business forward. And then I brought in a gentleman called Sean Farrell, who's a business coach. And in fact, I know Sean, funny enough, from the old Sabelco days or Hepworth Minerals and Chemical days. And Sean really took us through and put in place some strict sales principles uh, and how we go about assessing our our stronger products, our, what we call our star products, and then going through a sort of product rationalization process of weeding out the poorer products. Uh, and then to complement that and in parallel with that, we did a, a Sandler training course with Matthew Dashby Hughes, and that, that was a fantastic course in that it allowed us to, to start to think about the sales process and our approach and trying to learn to trade more ethically, which is something we've always wanted to do, but we've now got the skills to do it. Uh, and almost trade on the basis that we trade as equal partners. So we're not being dictated to by buyers, but we're being respectful of they're doing their job, but also searching out that pain. Everyone out there has got problems, and it's for us to solve their problems on the basis of hopefully we become their turn to chemical supplier. And we're doing that day in, day out now, with uh, whether it be existing customers or customers approaching us to help us solve their problems. That neatly takes us on to the next question, which is the the array of different products you've developed across a a huge number of different sectors. So just talk us through one or two of your key products, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, the main push really, Des, has been about sticking to core business, product development and manufacturing. Obviously, latterly, we've, we've added in branding under the Qualchem brand. So the past three years, we've seen a dramatic change in our product lines away from uh, own label products to to ranges under our Qualchem brands. Uh, These are now grown to to six different brands we've got in our portfolio with nearly 100 products going out the factory door under the Qualchem logo. In effect, I suppose that gives us another salesman on the road. One sector that we've really excelled in in recent years is the camping and caravan. And at Redcliffe, we're all about offering market edge. So to try and establish a foothold in the leisure market, we had to enter the market with something new. So we developed the first highly concentrated two-in-one flush and waste tank toilet additive where the customer had control over dosing with our 40-shot easy dosing bottle. Where with most products, the caravan had bought two different bottles, pink and blue, one for the flush tank, one for the waste tank. And invariably, they were using anything from 50 to 200 mils per toilet service. With ours, you only use 5 mil for the flush tank and 20 mil for the waste tank. So this afforded the customer great value for money. It saved them space and weight in the caravan. And obviously, with the measuring facility on the bottle, uh, the consumer didn't waste any chemicals, which is all what we're trying to do, save the environment. We really like to be the first to market, and we like to focus on niche sectors. So, for example, uh, we were the first UK company to develop a dedicated cleaner for brass musical instruments under our B-sharp Keep It Clean range. 
you won't believe it, but for 400 years, brass musicians have been either using washing up liquid or even bathing with their instrument just to keep it clean. How interesting is that? Yeah, it, it's unbelievable what you hear, the stories you hear. In fact, there's actually a lot of people that don't even bother. Um, they almost are concerned that if they do clean it, they're going to affect their playing performance. Well, I, um, can, I can understand that because they're very superstitious, aren't they, entertainers? Very much so. But what they don't realise, Des, is that they're actually expelling bacteria uh, and that builds up over time. Uh, and, of course, they're then inhaling that as they're playing. So uh, it's a major issue out there. And you do hear of a lot of cases of people having lung conditions from playing brass instruments, uh, and often unknowingly. But the, the, what we did with the B-sharp range, Des, was we, we actually went out and we got it endorsed by Foden's Brass Band. And I'm sure all your listeners know of uh, Foden's. You know, they're, they're probably the, one of the top five brass bands in the world, along with two of the world's leading instruments, Mark Wilkinson and Brett Baker. Again, they're both Cheshire-based. Uh, and now we're in a very fortunate position where B-sharp products are sold across the UK, uh, and into Europe, into Scandinavia and uh, the Iberian coast through a, a couple of wholesalers. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to Ivan Ankatel Clifford from Repcliffe Chemical Services Limited. Ivan, it, it's clear from reading through your website that staff morale and team building is hugely important to you. So share with us what systems you have in place to keep the team trained, informed and motivated. Yes, Des, uh, today I've focused on three core values. Firstly, uh, the most important thing for me is staff safety and, and well-being. Uh, in recent years, years, we've committed to uh, voluntarily reducing our reliance on dangerous chemicals in our products. Um, so when products are now developed, we actively search out less hazardous chemicals to, to both minimise staff exposure during handling uh, and improve factory working environment. Safer, less hazardous chemicals are also going to be much better received by, by the end user, the consumer. To, to give you an example of this, we, we launched our ProShot Eco Brake Cleaner that contains a, an eco solvent, so it's non-flammable, which is safer than a lot of the competitor products, but more importantly, it can be used on hot brakes. Secondly, uh, we're blessed with a, a management team, uh, and many of our packers have got 30 years' experience. So I'm keen to draw on that experience and pass it on to the next generation uh, and invest in youth. Uh, and today it's, it's so difficult for, for kids coming through into employment. So in the past year, and as the business has grown, we, we've, we've focused on trying to employ younger staff um, and, and, and variably those that have struggled in their early working life and, and clearly need some guidance. So we're very keen to, to make time to build self-confidence and self-worth within our, our younger staff uh, through empathetic management. We nurture them, we value them, and we reward them by giving more and more responsibility in the business. Uh, it's all about getting this light bulb moment. So we've often put staff across the business so that uh, ultimately we find what they really enjoy doing and then we upscale them in, in that part of the business. And is that done through, through annual meetings or biannual meetings with the staff just to see how well they're doing? It, it, it's almost a, a daily, weekly thing. That's how close we, we tend to work with our staff. We do a lot of buddying up um, with, with, with people within the business. 
So they've got someone to turn to, a turn to confidant, you could almost call it, where they'll help the employee integrate into their role. They'll build up friendships and help them with confidence. Uh, and then the idea, my role really, is to look at what, what, what takes, rocks their boat and, and then get them in that role and hopefully plug a weakness within the business and then, then build on it and keep adding skill sets to their, uh, uh, their everyday working life. The third area that I've, I've really tried to focus on uh, is to to build teams up. And I've spent most of my working life building teams, um, working on projects where they're ideally delivered on time and in budget and right first time, so mistake-free. So, so team building is important to me, and it's all about getting this blend of youth and experience, plugging our weaknesses and developing our strengths. And one thing we've done more recently, and I'm keen to continue to do, is team-based projects. So this year we've already done our own in-house video uh, of our revolutionary Electrosan sanitizer spray, which depicts the day in the life of a bottle. And it, we, we shot it in the factory, uh, and it included every member of the staff. Um, it was a bit of fun at the end of the day, but it was a really nice, needed distraction to the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Next project, which is going to be a, hopefully an outdoor sitting area, where staff can get away from the factory environment during breaks. Uh, and this is an idea that sort of was born out of uh, staff sort of during these last few months sitting outside uh, in, the, uh, in the yard watching vehicles in and out loading. And if we can tuck a, a little outdoor sitting area out the back, um, the idea is that everybody within the, the team has a role. So there'll be a designer, a laborer, a videographer, a gardener. Uh, and once we get some nicer weather again, We'll, we'll hopefully roll that out with staff. Well, Ivan, that takes us neatly on to your product of the year, Electrosan. And it's from, from what you've said, it's helped you keep the company trading through the coronavirus lockdown. Um, I understand that bacteria cannot develop a resistance to it uh, and it kills 99.99% of all germs. Now, that, that's a very accurate prediction. And there are other disinfectants that make a, si a similar claim. So uh, tell us what makes Electrosan different and, uh, and its effect on sales over the last three months. You, you, you're right, Des. Um, there, there are numerous products out there claiming 99.9 plus percent kill. But often what they don't declare is the kill time. Uh, and most of them are probably five minutes or more which uh, in practice people don't follow. They, they simply just spray and wipe. So with Electrosan, on the basis that people are spraying and, and wiping, because it kills every known pathogen under 60 seconds, and most, including similar strains of uh, virus to influenza, HIV and SARS, including COVID-19, in just 12 seconds, we believe the product's actually going to be doing the job it should be doing. Uh, in, in, applica in its application. So if you go to your, sh your supermarket and you spray the, the trolley with Electrosan, the, the time you come to, to wiping it down, it will have performed the bacterial kill. As to its kill rate, I suppose it would be useful for, to explain about kill rate and why it's superior to most. And probably the best way of explaining that is if you take your average street disinfectant that claims 99.9% .9 kill, uh, and you treated a million germs on a surface, that would leave a, a thousand germs after that clean. If you clean it with Electrosan and you leave it, uh, and you leave it for 12 seconds, you'll only get one germ left. 
So it's a dramatically improved clean in a shortened time frame. But Electrosan's not just a disinfectant, and this is where we're back to market edge. We can come to market with a product that's a disinfectant, it's a skin sanitizer, it's a skin antiseptic, and it's a deodorizer all in one product. So there's a multitude of uses for the product. You know, it's 100 times stronger than bleach, yet you can use it safely around your mouth, eyes, ears, and nose. Been a savior for us during COVID. We launched the product last summer as a skin antiseptic sanitizer for walkers and tenters for use uh, when they're out on the travels. But uh, when, when COVID-19 hit, we saw an overnight cessation of trading of our normal product lines. Instead, our customers, ironically, were, were, were ringing us uh, and asking us for, for sanitizer. So we naturally turned to, uh, to our non-alcohol, safer Electrosan. And until this month, all Electrosan cells have been going out to frontline activities, including the NHS, that are lighting to care homes, other blue light operators, network rail, utility companies, uh, and many more. And on that note, I think it's important, and I will never forget, that, that our staff are also being key workers during this pandemic, something they, you know, they need to be proud of. Uh, it's been a great achievement how we've got through the last few months as a business that's an excellent plug for the staff and uh, certainly a product that's helped to keep you going through coronavirus. Today we're talking to Ivan Ankatel Clifford from Repcliffe Chemical Services Limited in Crewe. Ivan, uh, no matter how well your business is performing, you, you know full well that you can't afford to become complacent. So tell us how you measure success uh, and talk us through your plans for the future development of Repcliffe. In the short uh, and probably the medium term, it's all about COVID-19. Uh, and of course, as lockdown is gradually lifted, servicing the requirements of our returning customers. And they are starting to come back now, which is, which is great. Uh, ironically, as many of our customers are in healthcare, most of them have taken Electrosan during the lockdown anyway. So, so now that lockdown's been relaxed uh, and more shops are starting to open, we're keen to, to make Electrosan available to the general public. Uh, we know there's demand out there because we're taking call after call every day uh, wanting to know where they can buy some. We're in talks with a number of high street retailers and hope to be able to secure shelf space in the coming weeks for our on-the-go 100ml pocket-sized uh, and an 800ml more surface cleaning electrosan. Um, we, we've also partnered up with Timco, who are based in Nantwich, uh, who will be distributing an 800ml Electrosan 4-in-1 sanitizer to the building and construction sector. Uh, and, and this is already being rolled out as we speak to, to local building, building merchants. We're, we've also literally just taken receipt of some face coverings and some bags. And we're trying to work towards launching a back-to-normality kit for businesses and for the general public. So they can go back to their normal daily routine feeling safe. So this kit is going to comprise an on-the-go electrosan and two washable triple protection face coverings, and we're calling them our smileys, uh, and they'll be packed in a handy cosmetic bag uh, so that they can go out uh, on the day work uh, uh, with it in the handbag or whatever and, uh, and feel safe. We're also in talks with a, a national children's charity, and we're trying to work towards agreeing a package where we can donate a children's smiley for every safety kit sold uh, and that's something hopefully we can roll out in the coming weeks 
So, so all in all, Des, we've got an exciting few weeks ahead. And a nice little link to the community there, which is um, my next question. Your business has already strong links with the local community, and it, and it certainly excelled in its support of the local care homes and hospices during during lockdown. So share with us why these links are so important to you and your staff uh, and how you intend to strengthen them as normality resumes. Uh, yeah, the desire for, for helping local care homes and, sos- and hospices w- was simple. They were the forgotten service uh, and a number of the stories that we, were, we heard of carers working with limited or inadequate PPE was it was scary. Um, so the least we could do as a local business, uh, especially a business that was uh, was trading, um, was to supply some electrosan and help them out. Um, we were hearing stories of hand sanitizer being stolen from the reception desk, staff having skin sores from the regular use of alcohol-based sanitizers. So, of, of course, ironically, as soon as you use the electrosan, within days uh, you start applying electrosan, your hands actually start to heal because it has uh, skin healing uh, properties. So electrosan, not only is it good at sanitizing the hands, it actually will help the healing process. My most recent project, uh, and one that's, that's close to my heart, was be, is being working with Sambach United Football Club. Um, they initially approached me uh, for some sponsorship ahead of this season, uh, but it soon became clear that I felt we would be better helping the club by setting up some fixed electrosan sanitizer stations so that the club could safely reopen uh, and could be seen to be looking after the welfare of the players, the coaches and supporters, uh, and the visiting teams. So, uh, but moreover, for me, it was, it was vitally important that grassroots sports, especially for children, are reintroduced as soon as possible, it can only help the health and physical well-being of, of all involved. And in fact, today we're, we're going to go out tonight and we're going to be putting up our electrosan stations at Sambach United. So if you're local, you can call down and, and see what we're, we're up to. Well, I certainly will. Uh, and you've painted a wonderful picture of the business. Uh, and it's clear your community links will go from strength to strength. So should any of our listeners want to contact Redcliffe, where can we find out more information, Ivan? Yeah, if you want to learn about any of our products, uh, the best place to, is to go to our website, which is www.qualchem.com. And the telephone? 01270 587 Ivan, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on the show today and finding out what makes Repcliffe tick, and I hope you've enjoyed it too. Thanks very much for coming into the cab. Thank you very much, Des, and uh, take care during the code. Stay, stay safe, everybody. And you stay safe too. Thank you. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.